Welcome to the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober. I'm Lisa. And I'm Alex. If you're new to our podcast, Lisa and I have been best friends since high school. And after many years of getting drunk together, we decided to experiment with being sober together. You can find out more about our story by going right back to the start of season one. So we started Be Sober with a vision to connect people living a sober lifestyle. We wanted to help them feel less alone and show them that you can still have fun without alcohol. Be Sober is now the only sober community that has absolutely everything you need in one place. And we believe from the bottom of our hearts that everyone who doesn't want to drink alcohol deserves to feel normal. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Alex. Well, this is our second one, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> it is our second run and I know we always kind of pride ourselves on not editing <laughs> but yeah we've decided to actually re-record the beginning of the podcast because we had our usual chit chat which I'm sure you're not going to miss that much anyway um but I think this podcast is so important for people to listen to I don't think it needs anything else with it no, I think you're right. And I think we do refer throughout the podcast with our guest um, to conversations that we had at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really all you need to know about that is Lisa Lisa and I were talking about our own drinking days and about friends that we've known who were caught for drink driving the day after and yeah. about the relevance of our own children now driving and yeah. having really important conversations with them about drink driving, about drug driving and so on. Um, I think all that's left to do, Lisa, is for you to just introduce our guest with the same um, little bit of a story and bio that you did give originally. But yeah, this is our un- unedited podcast, version two, because we don't want to talk a lot of rubbish on it. No, and I think it's really important. A trigger warning a as trigger well. Trigger warning, yeah, very important. That um, how do you do a proper trigger warning? You do this right. You go trigger warning. This podcast discusses some serious topics, including death by drink driving um, and grief. Thank you. Right. So um, today we have got Lee Watson. So Lee is an incredible woman and is the founder of Glow Sober, which was originally an Instagram page to review alcohol-free drinks and literature. It has now evolved into much more, which includes working with organizations to support their employees by raising awareness of the impact of alcohol. Lee says she's always had a complicated relationship with alcohol, which escalated after the death of her only son in 2018. She finally became alcohol-free on the 12th of July 2020 and is committed to making profound and lasting change by promoting the positive benefits of sobriety and supporting those that wish to take a more mindful approach to their own alcohol consumption. So here's Lee. Hello. Hi, Lee. Oh, hi, Lee. <laughs> Gosh, we were like, oh, is she coming? Is she not? <laughs> I, I could, I could see you. I could hear you. And then there was a little, there was a little thing saying because you're recording it, it requests me. It, ah. it let me. It won't let me wildly unmute on my own without special permission. <laughs> 
That's ridiculous. Oh, no way. It was one of those moments where you think, oh, no. <laughs> oh, we have plenty of them, Lee. We, we've just had a load of oh, no moments at the start of our podcast where we had to keep stopping and starting in the intro because I got distracted and all sorts. So, And then I distracted Lisa. <laughs> but we are recording. We are going to go for it. So we've kind of already done um, an introduction just based on your bio, but are you all right to just say hello and introduce yourself in your own words for us? Yes, I, yes, I am. Let's hope that what you said and what I say correlates because I couldn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I am. My name is Lee. I am probably um, known to some people as Glow Sober. So I um, do um, reviews for alcohol-free drinks and literature and podcasts and anything kind of sober related. And um, I also deliver um, kind of presentations on um, alcohol awareness and mindful drinking to um, employers to get to open up the conversation about alcohol and to stop the whole ridiculous stigma around just talking about it. Lee, before we get into this further, I want to ask you about that. Um, How do you find that workplaces react to you when you do go in and target? Let's discuss this for a minute. Really, (laughs) really, really badly to start with. It's a really hard sell, which is why I'll be honest with you, you know, I I, I don't have a yacht or a Ferrari quite yet. (laughs) uh, It's a really hard sell and it has taken and is taking still a lot of time. Um, And then even when I have delivered, What's really odd, and the irony is, is that the, the organisations don't necessarily want want to be associated with you. Do you know what I mean? It's not like yeah. you can brand up your website and say, look who I've just delivered to. So there's still that um, kind of, it always feels like secrecy or shame, and I yeah, hate the yeah. word shame, but that's exactly how it feels. So I had to start off offering quite a lot of, you know, doing free you know, offer it because it's really important to me that I talk about it. And the trouble is, is that employees and employers and everybody who isn't sober thinks that if you say the word sober or that you don't drink, that everybody is going to assume that you're an alcoholic. Some people are, some people aren't, some people define themselves as that, some people don't. Um, And and so they um, stigmatise themselves and say, oh, well, I better not go to that because my boss will think that I'm a heavy drinker rather than somebody... You know, because if if an employee assistance program does something on nutrition, then everybody's there like a shot because yeah. they're you know proudly losing weight. Like somehow that's different to to you know to having the need to want to change your relationship with alcohol. So it takes a lot of work and an awful lot of saying during the presentation. This is non judgmental. This isn't yeah. about this isn't about how much you drink. This is like the, the best thing about doing it is telling people that it's probably the only in, uninteractive workshop they'll ever do. So nobody has to say anything. Nobody has to do anything. A lot of it is mindful. A lot of it is within. So nobody has to. Yeah. So we, do, we do a silent quiz, for instance. It's where, funny, isn't it? That reaction, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we, we, we found exactly the same because we do something very similar, mainly up here in the north. We've done a few mm. online. And like you said, we've had employers actually say to us, 
please don't try to get everyone to stop drinking. Like, yeah, you know like, what they love? And yeah. and this is my truth, my take on this matter. Is it, <laughs> this is Paul Love. Point no, of view. they love a story from yeah. somebody that's hit rock bottom and mm-hmm. got themselves up. And like, I know, but now our workplace talks have changed quite a bit. And we go out there and Alex tells her story Mm -hmm. because that's easier for them to accept that it's somebody else's story, somebody else's life, somebody. And we've got to kind of sneak things in and weave them in so they can start kind of talking about themselves or thinking about themselves. But it drives me absolutely insane. We did one once for um, a large bank. Yes, I'm glad you sound <laughs> like that then, saying, don't say it. <laughs> a very large bank. And um, honestly, we were so passionate and we were very new to it as well, but we were very passionate about getting the word and like, actually, your life can be so much better without yeah. drinking and just take 30 days off and it can be incredible. And at first that really worked for us and people were inspired and they were ready to do yeah. the 30-day experiment and we'd promised them that we weren't going to make them stop drinking. And then we got asked to do it more educational. Yeah. So we then had to put in facts and figures and make it more educational. Oh, well, they didn't like that. We <laughs> then became evangelical with the oh, word. Really? Yeah. That was the words we used and we were like, it didn't oh, get it's... past the well-being team, did it? It did not. Past the yeah. Not the well-being I... team. We couldn't get past the well-being team. Oh, well, and they had you... red noses. It's ridiculous, isn't it? And the most the most buy-in I've ever had is from HR people who don't drink or for whatever reason have given up drinking. Exactly and they've, got the same. A bit of, they've got experience. But you know what? I feel like now what I'm going to do is I'm going to get um, Adele's music, Hello from the Other Side, and I'm going to play that at the start. So people, <laughs> because <laughs> so the people can see, because it's not like, I don't know. I don't know. The the whole idea of a sober world is so alien to so many people. Yeah. And it's like the, the 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 assumptions. And I don't know about you guys, but certainly as a woman, I mean, God, I'm 50 in January. But still, when you don't drink, people assume you're either ill or pregnant or you're oh, driving ridiculous, yeah. or whatever. And you just think like, you know, we... <laughs> It's just so funny because you just think, well, how about I just don't drink? Do you know what, Lee? The very first time I, I, you know, I'd I'd stopped drinking, the very first social occasion I went on was for my now 17-year-old son's football um, presentation day. And I was quite good friends with a few of the mums there. And two of them in particular, I would go out and they would drink easily Mm. as much as me. They made me feel really at home, put it that way. (laughs) Um, And I turned up and I had, um, I'd not announced to everybody that I wasn't drinking so I had an alcohol-free beer in a plastic cup outside at this rugby club and my son had not even thought to mention to the kids what I was doing so my son came over and said mom what are you doing you've got beer and I said no 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 it's non-alcoholic and one of the mums went oh I know why yeah. <laughs> now bearing in mind that I'd only recently had two miscarriages prior oh, to that my gosh. the reason I was like no it's not that. That was interesting what you said about a silent quiz because we do a quiz, but we keep it away from people's thoughts. It's more, it's a factual thing. So, I you think- know, mine's factual, 
But I ask them to just think, it's not so much a quiz. It's like, how much of this do, do you actually know? I'm going to give you the questions, but like, how much do you, how much do you know compared to yeah. what you, think you know? Because yeah. I think the thing with alcohol is, People think they know, you know, what a large glass of wine is or what the equivalent in Jaffa cakes is or, you know, any of the stuff, any of the science based stuff. They, 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 some of them think they know. They don't know what the, you know, what the drive limit is, what a unit is, any of those things. And, yeah. um, or, you know, right down to even what alcohol is made of. And, you know, would you, would you drink drain cleaner from a glass? You know, it's, there, there are, there are so many things, so many assumptions that people make. So I, I suppose it's just, a quiet reflection you know look at these questions how much how, ma- how many of these do you know the answer to and then just have a think about it all i'm asking you to do is spend two minutes yeah. thinking about what you know about alcohol what you think about alcohol and is there anything else you would like to know about something that you're actually going to continue to put in your body i mean i'm not as pious as that i hope i'm not but it's kind of really just understand the science understand the evidence yeah, yeah. take it from there it's it crazy yeah. that we don't know this or yeah. that we've never really been educated in it because surely if we had been educated in it mm-hmm. properly then we wouldn't be a, a nation like we are of getting no. absolutely blitzed it just i, I but then our government wouldn't be as rich from the... the uh, oh, don't even get us started on that one, Lee. So, <laughs> I think this is when we got evangelical, actually, because we <laughs> threw in about the bloody government and how much money they make and yeah. how much... And we actually put the the figures in, didn't we, Alex, about the profits yeah. and how much goes and actually how they'd cut the, yeah. the um, funding to... Yeah. Yeah, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, I was talking the other day to somebody and we were saying, you know, if alcohol were now a brand new product, nobody would sell it. Oh, it wouldn't be approved. It wouldn't, wouldn't even be approved. get FDA approval because no. they've, you know, they've worked out that only half a glass of wine a year is actually safe to not cause cancer. Anything then, over that causes but, it. But, you know, I don't know about you, but as a woman who has just recently started taking HRT, you know, all of the the smaller studies that were done on HRT and links to cancer, everybody got up in arms and dropped HRT like a stone. And yet they're constant proven, proven links time and time again between breast cancer and alcohol. And everybody knows it. And the risks are so high. But women carry on drinking. I'm not saying men don't get breast cancer, but do you know what I mean? What you choose to listen to and what you choose to ignore are quite, you know... Um, we are selective. We are, we, we selective. are, we all are. Oh, we, we are. When I used to smoke, te- or like it's been over 10 years since I stopped smoking, and they just started kind of putting the pictures on the packets of cigarettes, yeah. and I would turn it over so I didn't have to see it because I was <laughs> going to smoke them anyway. I know and people who scribble that out, scribble the lungs yeah. out. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. And, it you is, know, yeah. what, what do we say, that old thing of the ingredients, they put all the ingredients on cleaning products in your kitchen, but there's no ingredients, is there, on your on your alcohol, really, and things well, like I that. Well, I mean, I it's- suppose there's, there's, in, there's natural ingredients, but the way that they do them, they're so small. I mean, only people who are six years old with really good eyesight can read them, and, you know, yeah. it's funny. And then they don't understand see them after a couple, would you? <laughs> no, and it's always funny, isn't it? I always think now, like, would you give alcohol to a child? 
No, you wouldn't. And the re- and you wouldn't give cigarettes to a child. And there are certain things you don't give to children. And the reason you don't give them to children is because they're not just bad for them, but they're bad for us. And yeah. so it's really interesting that we will abuse ourselves in a way that we wouldn't abuse other people we love. And that is a clear case of not loving ourselves enough to, yeah. you know, says she, you just had two custard creams before this, but you know, well, it's, not, it's not the same. It's not. And you know, baby steps. <laughs> yeah. What's interesting, I think, um, I, well, there's lots of it, lots of interesting things about you actually from your bio alone. But one of the things that we found is when we do talks in colleges with young people, and I'm an ex college teacher. Mm. Um, so, we young young people are very very receptive to hearing and listening and evaluating and calculating risks they are much we should be giving them much more credit for independence than we do Mm. And what was really interesting, I thought, was that um, I've actually had the charity that you work for in our college up here. Um, oh, have you? Safe yeah, Drive. Yeah, the, the Safe yeah. Drive, Stay Alive. Um, yeah. the, the Greater Manchester Police come in with them as well. Yeah. And some of the footage on there is absolutely heartbreaking. You know, we've had young people leaving those mm. auditoriums in floods of tears, yeah. genuinely heartbroken. And your story, you know, we know the surface of it mm. absolutely heartbreaking you've experienced that firsthand yeah yeah and it's what's really in not interesting was still it after um so you know after jack died it still took me a long time to stop drinking even though part of the cause of his death was alcohol related. Do you know what I mean? Because you still don't separate what you're doing to what other people are doing. Not that I, I've, yeah. I've, I've never, I've never um, drunk and drive. That's just something that I've, I've never done, but that's not to say that I harshly judge people who have, because the world has changed massively over there there is no excuse now there is no there is no excuse there's no excuse to drink and drive there's to me that whole none for the road is the most important message because there is no point in having one there, just, just, there isn't there's no point so we were talking you know. at the beginning of our introduction about days gone by where friends of ours have been banned the day after because they still got alcohol. I know I've been guilty of driving with alcohol in my system and uh, I'll just have one. And I just can't, I mean, I I can't comprehend that I have been that person. Do you know what I mean? That I have been that person. Yeah. And and it's heartbreaking. You never think it's going to happen to you or someone you know. No, you don't. And I would imagine, you know, um, Jack's friend who was driving, the, the, the trouble with youth is it's youth is arrogant, isn't it? Because yeah. it's it yeah. and it assumes, you know, and we all do it. We assume so much of our youth that it won't happen to us, that it'll always happen to somebody else, or things will never be that bad. But also, and there's a there's a culture today. I feel that people do feel they're immortal, but they don't value their lives in the same way because people take risks like I've never seen and I don't know whether I'm just old or, or or not really but you know any one of those group of of boys could have been driving any one of those yeah. group of boys could have been I mean I, and it's easy for me to say I know but um 
Jack didn't drink very much. And so he didn't drink and drive, but not because um, that was a really healthy choice. Maybe he just didn't drink, but he did take drugs. And so at any point, and they all drive and still do like idiots. So when we do those safe drive road shows, I think what we know is, is that it changes behavior, even if it's for a short amount of time, it makes a real difference. And the people it makes the most difference to are those influencers. So what we started doing is we don't just do the road shows to um, the sixth form. We sometimes do them to the year below because the girls that get in the car are the ones that are very good at influencing and and I don't mean to gender specific it but if you look at the stats in terms of you know road traffic collisions for people that are of that age it will primarily be boys that are driving and that is the truth of it. That's a really good point that you've made there as well those girls in the younger years to say actually I don't think we should be doing this I'm not going to get in the car with you it's um yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think you're right. You know, if I look at the behaviours of my own children, I, I was, yeah. we talked at the beginning again, my son passed his driving test yesterday oh. and, it, and it feels really relevant to have you on yeah. the podcast. For me personally now, mm-hmm. thinking, you know, I was having a conversation about drug driving, drink driving. I don't think he's doing those things, but how many no. parents are having those conversations with, look, even if you go out for a drink with your mates on Friday, you shouldn't get in the car on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, and I just want to say this as also a mother of a teenage son yeah. um, whose friends are driving and I know that some of them take drugs. I know some of them drink. I know that this is going on. Um, and it's easy, I think, to say, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. And, you, and your kids go, yeah, 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 I know. Do you know what I mean? Like, what else can we be doing? Like, is the things that I, I've never things. actually... Alex, Alex said to me before, and we know some of your story, I'm coming in a little bit blind daily, to be honest, as are our listeners. So, yeah. we, so is it all right if you just tell us a little bit about that? Are you all right yeah. to do yeah, no, 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 it's fine. So, um, so on the uh, 28th of January 2018, I had a phone call from uh, my ex-partner to say there had been an accident in our village. Um, so it was about 400 metres away from my house. Now, to put into context, Jack was um, a little sod sometimes, you know, he was, you know, we we were we were very close. We loved each other very much, but we had a, one of those relationships, mother and son. Anyway, he um, he was a little sod. And uh, as soon as ever I'd ever heard any um, sirens or helicopters, I'd always phoned him to make sure that he was all right because of the nature. We live in a we lived in a small village, you know, rural location. Things like this are not as uncommon as we would like them to be. Anyway, I phoned, no answer. Got the phone call, ran down the road, um, and uh, it was it was like honestly, it was like a scene from a film. It was, it was chaos. It was just chaos. It was a coordinate. There were teenagers. You know what teenagers are like. Mm-hmm. People get there very quickly. It's the centre. Fifteen ambulances had turned up. An air ambulance. There were people crying and screaming because nobody knew whose car it was, who exactly was in the car, but we kind of knew it was Jack. We could see down the road there was a cordon. There was there was somebody 
performing CPR. Policeman comes up the road, says, are you the parents of Jack Jones? We went down there and um, they said, look, he's really poorly. He's really, really poorly. Um, uh, come and see him before he goes to hospital. Now, at that point, the air ambulance was there. He was too ill to be taken in the air ambulance. And the doctor that came on the air ambulance, he just turned around to us and he said, are you the parents of Jack Jones? And we said, yes. He said, I'm telling you now, he's not going to make it. We'll get back to our chat shortly. But first, let us tell you about some of the things that we offer at Be Sober. In fact, we're going to tell you about Be Academy today and in particular, the certified diploma in sober coaching that we offer. So it's a six-week accredited course and you actually get a diploma in sober coaching. During this course, you're going to learn all about alcohol, what coaching is and different coaching approaches, how sober coaching works and how you put it into practice. On completion of the course, you'll be able to gain accreditation and insurance. We'll be actively cheering you on to start your own coaching business or to work in the recovery field. We also have a coaches membership available by further subscription, which will meet your ongoing coaching and business needs. So if you love helping other people and want to turn your passion into a career that you'll love, then this is the course for you. Book on to the Q&A or drop us an email for more information at info at beacademyofficial.com. That's info at beacademyofficial.com. And he said, are you the parents of Jack Jones? And we said, yes. He said, I'm telling you now, he's not going to make it. Oh. And he just walked, turned and walked away. And Anyway, they took him to hospital, police escort, everything, got to the hospital in the waiting room for what seemed like hours. And, you know, weirdly enough, we thought that because we'd been there for a long time that they were making progress. So you kind of get that kind of weird sense of relief. Anyway, he, uh, about um, three or four hours later, doctor comes down early hours of, of neither Monday morning and said, I'm really sorry, we've done everything we can. We don't think Jack's going to make it. You're going to need to come and say goodbye to him. But because we're in Southmead, by the time we got there, he was, um, he'd already died and he died on his own. And that, you know, and he, he died in the place that he was born, in Southmead Hospital. So he was on his own and they weren't allowed to move him from the uh, from the the operating theatre because he was now a crime scene. So we had to see him, you know, in in that way, which was particularly distressing. Anyway, the the lad that was driving um, was uninjured. The irony of that, um, he was uninjured. The lad in the front um, had severe injuries. Was in a coma. And Jack, who wasn't wearing a seatbelt in the back, um, died. And uh, the driver had drunk about seven and a half pints. He had drugs in his system and he drove at about 70 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone. It's heartbreaking. And that was it. It's actually heartbreaking. I can't, yeah. I ain't got words for it actually. I just, I'm, I can't. So it's, it's it's really difficult. It's not as, di- I mean, it's going to be five years in, in January, which for me is very difficult because five years, sometimes it's like I saw him yesterday and sometimes it's like he was never here at all. And it's a very, it's been certainly challenging over the last few months for me to, um, 
to come not come to terms with it because you never really come to terms with it. But the, the, you know the, the the thing about I suppose with sobriety is that you have to feel all your feelings all of the time, and you oh, have to learn to manage yeah. them and deal with them. Um, so you know when Jack died, I drank. I mean, I've always had a very complicated relationship with alcohol. That is true to say. Um, I, my mum was a heavy drinker. It, you know, the, unfortunately, much more to my story than that. But um, mm. I've had a difficult relationship with alcohol. And when the day that he died, I mean, I came back at two o'clock in the morning and all I did was drink in, because I was, I think I was in shock anyway. What else are you going to do when everybody says, oh, well, I'm not surprised you had a drink. Um <laughs> But I carried on drinking to the point of probably proper total breakdown until July 2020, where I was still, you know, functioning, still able to do, you know, because I needed to function because if I didn't, then I don't know what would have happened to me. So I think that I just carried on and carried on until I could go no more. And then I think that's since 2020 is when the grief work really has started to happen if that makes sense I, sorry I was just going to say do you think I don't know if you've got any means for comparison and I guess losing a child is a very different grief than any other grief anyway mm. but do you think not drinking has allowed you to grieve properly and thoroughly uh, it's allowing me to still I mean it's just feels like um so I lost my dad when I was 18, also in a road traffic collision. So, um, and I probably never really kind of, you know, I remember that day, oddly enough, that day I drank a bottle of vodka, didn't touch the sides, didn't hit, didn't feel anything, just complete shock. And I think that I used alcohol for such a long time because every time things got a little bit stickier a little bit difficult you just you can shut your mind down with it it was you know it wasn't a reward it was a mask for me I suppose and I did that for many many years so um, not drinking has given me the clarity of my own emotions and at times that's been really horrible really really difficult oh. but um it's really difficult to say my god I feel amazing but I do feel amazing yeah. because you know when you've lost something so you know when the, the loss is so profound and it's so big it's really difficult to then ever say I feel good I feel happy I feel yeah. joy all of those things but it is only without alcohol that I am able to build a life and that's what glow sober is about glow sober is and, uh, and the talks i do in schools everything i do now is a legacy for jack because what i want is a memory of of me and of him to have been oh you know um because jack may have been a little sod but he was also ridiculously kind very overly sensitive in lots of ways but when it was only when he was gone i I found out because you don't know with your children I oh. really found out the true nature of the person that he was and it blew me apart because he hid I mean I always knew he was really good he was a good person that made really silly choices and we can all say that can't we oh, good people yeah. make bad choices um but he blew me away it just really blew me away and I just now I just think everything I do everything I want to represent I want to be in a memory of somebody that 
has also made bad choices, but is doing good things as the legacy of somebody that I love very much. And I just think that's all I can do for him. Leah, just honestly, I'm a little bit speechless. I don't... We've never been left like this, have we? No, and I, oh, oh, it's making me just really want to cry. And I know that's not going to help anybody right now, <laughs> but I can not even begin to imagine what you've been through. And to do what you're doing is just incredible. It really, really is. It's, um, it's also, you know, and the thing is, is I can't just say it all, you know, it, it's it's necessary for me as well. I mean, it's yeah. part of my own recovery to make sure. And you do find this a lot when people have lost children, the life they live afterwards is in, tends to be in some kind of service. And that's where I'm trying to get to yeah. is I want to be and live in service of something that is bigger than me because, you know, you don't realise, do you? You don't realise what your life is about sometimes. I mean, having children is such a great gift. And, and when I think of the loss of Jack, I don't want to just think of that. I want to think of his life, not his death. Yeah. I want to think of the good, not the bad. And I also know that there are so many people, and I've met through different groups, compassionate friends and things like that, you know, in terms of the loss, this the things that make my loss better is that the, the hours leading up to Jack, Jack went through periods of unhappiness that really bothered me as a teenager. And anybody who's been an unhappy teenager knows what a dangerous space that can be and a worry it can give you. But when Jack died, the hours leading up to his death, he was with his friends. He was happy. He was having a good time. He was a 22-year-old boy. When he died, he knew nothing about it. No, there is there is no he he knew nothing about it the loss is is mine and whilst i grieve yeah. the life that he no longer has he doesn't know the pain and that gives me a real sense of um a peace because he because that's all you want isn't it you want people to be happy and so he could have lived some people live 80 years. And, and to be honest, I know some who are bloody miserable all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like some people can live a really long yeah, life and true. be miserable. And there was something about Jack who I always felt that I knew. And I always felt that I knew he was never mine to keep. And I often wonder whether that's why I, you know, I helicoptered around. I overfussed. I did all of those things. And that's why our relationship was so fraught sometimes because I was trying so hard to hold on to something that was never really mine to hold on to does that make sense you know what Lee it makes so much sense and I think I'm I think I'm struggling so much to kind of hear your story because the way you speak about Jack just I really relate to with my own son no, it's difficult, isn't it? But it passes. And, you know, the thing is, is that on the whole, the end of my story is, uh, is not the, is not the norm. But the one thing yeah. I've learned in, in life, actually all my life is that everything is temporary and everything does pass and it, everything yeah. is always where there's, without sounding like I'm being ridiculously poetic or anything, but really where there's shadows, there's light. Yeah. And that's the thing, because you're either in the light or you're in the shadows. And if you're in the shadows, you're looking at the light and it it, it, it all passes. And I know that. I mean, you caught me on a good day. 
I could have spoken about it yesterday and I could have been crying my eyes yeah. out. But, you know, so I've got like this. Well, it's a good job, Lee, because we're not doing about good job. We're not, we're not even able to pull ourselves together. together today. So it's a good job you're not falling oh, apart. Oh, my God, sat here crying. I actually <laughs> thought that. I was like, you know, I feel really selfish right now. The thing is, though, is I, I can talk for England, which is why I like presenting. So, you yeah. know, so even though I've trained to be a sober coach, I'm more of a, an orator, I suppose. I like to talk. I like to talk to big audiences. I think I just yeah. like the sound of my own voice, really. And that's, <laughs> not very, <laughs> that's not very good when you're a sober coach, really, because apparently you have to give other people space. <laughs> Lee, can I ask you then about and taking it to your drinking and after you've, you know, been through something like that, because something we hear a lot in the group is and what stops people from stopping drinking is that switch off that they they use it to mask. Like at what point did you stop and think this has got to end the drinking so in so two weeks before um two weeks before i stopped drinking i met an old school friend hadn't seen for years went up to a local hotel on a tuesday afternoon spent 200 pounds on prosecco and then tried to throw myself out of my bedroom window because i just got in i was getting to that point of breakdown you know where you're like drinking and you think you're all happy yeah. I, I just knew i was so wildly out of control the week before that, I had gone to a friend's house and I'd um, had loads of drink, fallen over, had a massive, like physically had hurt myself, blacked out. And then um, when I kind of was tr- wanting to throw myself out my bedroom window, my partner, bless him, long suffering, could not leave me. He couldn't go and get anyone. He just had to stay with me until, you know, I literally had, had passed out. But I was, a, you know, I was such a mess, but I still carried on drinking another week and then and sorry there's no big story here i just went to bed there is i just went to bed one saturday night i hadn't even had that much to drink i you know it wasn't like i had loads to drink i don't even think i was really that drunk and it was a little bit like when i gave up smoking i just thought i can't do this anymore and there was something yeah. in me that knew that if i didn't stop then it was going to kill me and it was whether that be by fault or design it was going to take my relationship it was going to take everything that I had and I thought I've either got to I've I've got to I've got to stop and I've been you know I'd thought about it and I was I don't know about I was terrified I mean to say I was terrified was an understatement I, I thought what what do you do what does what do people do without alcohol and now I look back on it I think well, what do they do? They they do they do more. <laughs> they, do, yeah. they do more things. Do so they do nicer more. things. They've got more money. They, you know. But it's so relatable, the end of what you're talking about there. I mean, for very different reasons, I can really relate to that carrying on even though you know you it's no mm. good for you. And carrying on to a point where something's got to give. That was mm. the end of my story too. And I actually carried on for six months past where I knew really I'd done yeah. enough. Yeah. It's I and I think that for most people, and I don't know, 
you know, I don't, it's not a coincidence, is it? Most women I, or most people I meet who want to give up drinking are around my age, five or 10 years, either side of my age, and yeah. have had a relationship with alcohol that they've never defined as being alcoholic, or they've yeah. never designed, never defined as having a drinking problem. But frequently they say to themselves, oh, I wish I'd drunk that much, or I really can't carry on drinking this much. It's ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? And in a constant cycle of shame, guilt, shame, guilt, that vicious cycle all, all the time and it does feel like there is a generation of us who are I don't know whether the word is disadjusted I might have just made that word up I probably have but <laughs> where we're not we're not able to manage without it or there are so many women of our age where I mean I don't know when my mum my mum was a heavy drinker after my dad left but before that she was just normal she didn't have Prosecco play dates she didn't drink on Tuesday afternoons when the kids were playing PlayStation or anything like that that was my generation where it seemed exciting and perfectly okay that you could buy a bottle of Prosecco at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon and then four o'clock, maybe on a Thursday afternoon. I don't know whether anybody else's experience is the same as that, but it just became so normal. And then, of course, we had that whole Ladakh culture with... Yeah, we talk you know, about Lexi that a lot. Yeah. all drinking whiskey and, and everybody thinking it's so cool. And it's just... Mm-hmm. We, grew up we lost with that. a chapter of education because I think you're right. You know, I can relate as well to what you said. My, my dad was a very heavy drinker. He defined himself as an alcoholic. I lost my dad through alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. he that he was an abnormal drinker, but everyone else didn't seem to sort of go. It was very easy to pick him out and say, yeah, he was an alcoholic. Everyone else was normal. Mm. But looking actually, the signs were there for a lot of people. It's just that the definitions have shifted, I think. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we the trouble is with the term alcoholic is the, the cultural perceptions in society that yeah. an alcoholic yeah. is somebody who is... Um, homeless sleeping on a park bench drinking from a bottle unless of course you're really clever and you put the word functioning before it and then you can give yourself a power woman in a suit who is drinking (laughs) secretly i mean we have these stereotypes of how we can say and somehow that a functional an alcoholic a functioning alcoholic is somehow different to an alcoholic oh it's better to be a functioning alcoholic because you can hold down a job like i don't know whether you know um like the drug drug addiction is the same you know kurt cobain the legendary kurt cobain who shot himself in the head while off his face on god knows what that's he's a legend he's really cool because you know but if you pass someone in a doorway and, you know, they're having to beg, you know, 10 quid for every bit of crack they can get just to get through the day. That's not so cool. And it's oh, like the way that we... It's true. It's just, it's such, excuse my language, I don't know what I'm allowed to swear on well, here, but it's just it. such bullshit. The whole thing is such bullshit. And now I'm like, you know, a couple of years into my sobriety and I just call it out so much more, which of course, I moved to Bournemouth last year. So, and I don't have children. So making connections for me, making friends, as you can imagine, is really difficult. Yeah. So I rock up anywhere. I go, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the woman with a, a, a dead son and who doesn't drink. Does anyone want to be friends with me? You know, because I represent fear yeah, I represent the fear, like you say, for women who have got children, teenage children, children my age. And I also represent that thing they know in themselves where they want to stop drinking, but they can't. Yeah. So I'm, 
<laughs> it's really difficult. I don't know why I'm laughing because it's really hard. Well, that's all we could do, Lee. <laughs> no, but you are so right, especially, you know, thinking about this with the making friends. I've, um, I was talking about this before, but I've just been away for some time. My mum's been away for a month. She took herself off and thought, I'm, you know what, I'm going to Portugal for a month and I've just joined her for the last week. And one of the conversations we were having was how much she used to live in Spain years ago mm. and it was so much easier for her to meet people and friends when she drank. And it's yeah. really, really difficult when you don't, which is why we're so passionate about what we do at Be Sober and the community and connecting people and finding friendships because I think one, as an adult, it's really difficult to make friends anyway. And like you said too, when you're representing fear, which is exactly, I suppose, what what we do. It's It's just so difficult. I see it when I go to yoga. It's took me ages to even get a conversation out of people at my yoga class, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, it has, you know, when you hear about people and they go, oh, I'm going away with my yoga friends. I think, how, how does this happen? How do how you get there? Yeah. become yoga friends? Like, I've been going yeah. 12 months now and <laughs> some of them just know my name. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Do you know, I, I just joined quite a small gym, which has been really good for me. And not long after I joined, they've started a menopause group. And so there are like several women that I've started to kind of get to know. I mean, I couldn't possibly call them friends or anything like that, but I know they know who I am even, which just feels like there's somewhere to go once a month. And yeah, that's just, just talk. Because it's, I mean, I've got friends where I used to live and they visit frequently, but you know, when you just want a cup of coffee with somebody, you just want yeah. to go around the corner and you just want to have a little moan and you don't want to have to arrange a Zoom call or drive 80 miles to see somebody. You just want to have a cup of coffee with somebody. And yeah, that, on your street, just walk yeah, up yeah. on my street. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah just, and like Alex, you kind of, because you you've got young children yeah you you're still having like that interaction with parents yeah Yeah. i I mean i already this week i have been for coffee with two one of the mums who of my eldest son and i went for a run with her the mum of a mum of a friend of my youngest son who's six and then i'm supposedly meeting a lady from my local church later yeah. today so you know already i've met three people this week and it it just makes when you're speaking i'm thinking yeah and it is that it's because mm. i have a commonality with them which yeah. is children number yeah. one and not drinking with the other and they're yeah. the two things and if you can find common ground great but if you can't you yeah. struggle yeah. Well, funnily enough, other people, so there are a couple of other people in the gym who mentioned, so so one of the PTs, she's also, uh, she does my eyebrows as well, and she happened to mention that they were doing a, there was a new blood moon the other week, so they mentioned they were going down to the, to the beach to honour this blood moon. I've never done anything like that in my life. She said, did I want to come? I'm like, yes, I'm oh, I'm coming so, to honour the moon. <laughs> so, so like, I went, somebody gave me a crystal and it's like stuff I've never done before. But what I found was that I have to learn to say yes, yes. to everything. And yeah. so since then, like, um, I'm going to go and do my first ever cold water swimming on yes. day Because I just think... how on point you are with us. Because honestly, everything you're talking about, crystals, moons, menopause, uh, meetups, it's like... <laughs> Wait, I was just... <laughs> because of because of that friendship kind of thing and in my 
village, all my old friends around here were drinkers and they don't ask me to go out anymore. They probably don't listen to this either. They probably, they don't even ring me, in fact. In fact, they can all fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about it. <laughs> Let's hope they don't listen to this then. Well, then they'll know that they neglected me, won't they? <laughs> in, my time of, in my time of need. But actually, um, I've been speaking to Alex about this, but I've, I'm starting a menopause group in my local village for oh, once yeah. a month. And it's because I'm, I'm perimenopausal. I don't know if that's the right yeah, terminology. Me too. And I'm and I'm really really feeling it, and it's yeah. again. Ju- I feel very similar to I did how I did when I stopped drinking. Surprise, and yeah. one of that is loneliness and people yeah. not understanding or getting it, yeah. or you know yeah. things like that. So I think it's so important. So yeah, my group starts in January, I and know. I'm so looking forward to just meeting people that yeah. aren't necessarily all sober but I'll be able to spread the sober word there yeah. <laughs> and, and it's funny because my fitness group is a menopause middle-aged women's yeah. group as well so honestly everything you're talking about we're kind of doing but we're a few bit too far for you to come aren't we now I know I know it's I mean that's the thing is that and I think there are a lot of like-minded people around it is just finding yeah. them and it's like with the menopause group Every, you know, everybody, what I've found is, you know, I don't know whether you're the same, but sometimes when you're a drinker, you attach yourself to friends that have the same hobbies of you, which is drinking quite heavily. And you think that that's normal. So like the people you spend time with, like some of my friends, my God, they can still put it away. Like really, I met some people in London for Sunday lunch and I wasn't drinking. A couple of the others were just drinking normally, but a couple of them were just properly knocking it back. And I was thinking, oh my God, that would have been me. Yeah. But now I realise when I've gone out with other people, they they don't have the same, you know, some of them just come and say, oh no, I'm having an alcoholic beer. I'm not driving. I'm just having one. I don't not, you know, it's like, you know, it's like having a vegetarian meal when you're not a vegetarian. It's quite, yeah. (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, you don't have to define yourself. But what I've had to recognize is that whilst I didn't define myself as an alcoholic, I could not moderate. I cannot moderate. And I don't think I can moderate with anything. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of life's unmoderated human beings. And so, so, so so all, all I, you know, I say to people is I, I I don't drink because I can't moderate and I don't like that. I don't like what it does to me. I do not like my behavior. I don't like the impact it has on my life. I want, what I really want to say is, why are you putting that shit in your mouth? Because it's poison, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Leon, I don't. That, going full circle, that might have been what we did at the evangelical talk. But there you go. <laughs> yeah. Lee, honestly, I, can I just say, first of all, uh, personally, I'm so sorry for your loss. It's, Thank you. I genuinely, I'm so sorry for your loss. It's, it's horrific to even hear not knowing him. Um, so, you know, for you to have been through that, you're an incredible, incredible lady and whatever work you're doing in the workplace, in your charities, in your personal life, just keep glowing, keep doing the glow sober because you are having an impact and we feel really, really honoured, both Lisa and I, to have had the chance to speak to you and for you to share such a personal story. So, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lee, can you make sure, please, as well? um, Sorry, a little job to do for you now. Mm -hmm. um, That we've got all the links for everything that you do. 
Yeah, I'll send it to you. We'll add it to the description because um, it goes out this Saturday, the episode, and we're going to give it a big push so people really do listen to this. Um, We try to help raise some awareness with with what you're doing. You know the Stay um, Safe Drive, Stay Alive? Is the information on that for people to have a look at as well is there anything that people could parents can do or show I'll send there a link there are links so safe drive stay alive works with multi kind of emergency services i think as alex already has alluded to so they work up down the country and they do different road shows in different areas some are better than others in that they get more funding because as you know governments yeah. only like they only like the after effects they don't tend to think about prevention they just you know yes, so another um, government Yes, campaign yes, person. The government, yeah. <laughs> so they, um, so um, I'll I'll put some links on Safe Drive Stay Alive. I've worked. I I used to work with the ones in Wiltshire. I now work with the ones in Dorset. Um, it just so happens that they've been in my area um, because in Gloucestershire, actually, where Jack was killed, they didn't have they cut funding for it. So there isn't one that exists yeah. there. And do you know what? But it must have been last month. So we lived, Jack and I lived in a very small village, a few thousand people. Um, four years before Jack died, one of his very good friends died in a road traffic collision, sole driver. A few years before that, um, two lads, uh, 17 and 18, died just outside the village, road traffic collision both of them. Just last month, two more lads from the same village that I live, lived in also died in a road traffic collision. And How can they cut the funding with those figures in such a just, small place? The trouble is, is they're just like, you know, rural roads are like rat runs. There's no police, yeah. no speed bumps, there's no speed cameras, there's not enough money for any of it. And they concentrate all of their funding on the bigger places. So there is no policing in these places and very you know over christmas once in a while you'll get some policeman half asleep outside a pub for half an hour watching to see who's leaving right there so everyone can see do you know what i mean it's it's yeah so we continue the work with safe drive stay alive and we have to hope that even if it makes a difference to one person that's one person and that's enough one life saved isn't it it's one life saved and you've got one less person to go through what you've had to go through and are continuing to go through just off topic a little bit um i just realized with you saying dorset we do have a be sober dorset and a be sober bournemouth who would love to meet you if you have i have met them on sunday I just just went to go along to see what it was all about so i met hannah yeah. Did you yeah. have the Sunday lunch then? You had the Sunday Did. lunch? Yeah, and Lisa. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that's so, lovely. That's so nice. Just, so, just, so just met them. They just said, pop along, see, you know, see see what you think so I did so and get yeah. Hannah cold water swimming again I don't think she's a lover but I know she, she said yeah <laughs> she said she tried it she said she tried it and she was going to get into it again but she was lovely and it was really nice to be in a space where I felt normal oh that's what we're trying to do we want to normalize it and that's what we said you know we're not just people who say oh we want to normalize not drinking we we're actually doing it so like you're doing your thing that's our thing so yeah we always ask our guests lee um i think i know what you're going to say i hope i get this right in my own head this is my um silent quiz in my own mind we ask people, our guests, to de- decide whether they um, relate most to our motto, be brave, 
be kind or be sober right now which one do you relate to the most and why oh god goodness me (laughs) (laughs) um i'm willing you to say the one i want oh you know god that's that's a really hard question isn't it am i not allowed to say all three at the moment i'm i would say brave because i'm I, i i've struggled with my grief over the last few months so um, but then at the other side, I need to say, be kind. You can have them all. You can have all of them. I think, I think that, you know, um, be, being being brave is really important for everybody because it's the first step, isn't it? So, yeah. being, you know, being kind is, is, is wonderful, but being brave is important. That yeah. makes sense. It was the yeah. one I thought you'd choose. I'm glad you chose that yeah, one. Because, you know, I think certainly you come across as a brave person to other things. So. Oh, it's been so lovely. It's just felt like a really normal conversation. Oh, it's been so, so lovely to meet you. And oh. honestly, I just want to reiterate what Alex said. Thank you so much for trusting and sharing your story with us. It, very it really means a lot. And, and I hope that, you know, everybody that's listened today and we can spread the word and help just help <laughs> uh, yeah thank you so much it's been a real pleasure to to meet you both and yeah thank you so much for your time thank you we'll hopefully speak to you again soon take bye. care bye bye Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. And don't forget to follow or subscribe. And of course, please, please, please share it with your friends to help spread the Be Sober love. If you want to find out more about the work we do or you want to join our amazing community here at Be Sober, you can find out more on the Be Sober website, besoberofficial.com. So until next time, be brave, be kind and be sober.